Right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship this morning. We are excited to be here. We're going to have a song from our Sunday school, uh, elementary and middle school kids, and uh, we're getting excited for Christmas on this fourth week of Advent. So welcome. Uh, My name is Pastor Josh Brecht. I'm one of the pastors here at Good Shepherd, and it is a delight to be here with you to worship God today. Um, This is our fourth Sunday of, or our third Sunday of Advent, where we celebrate joy, and uh, we will have much joy in our service today. Uh, A couple of announcements as we get started. Hi, guys. So, now I'm just kind of waiting for a camel to come through after this, too. We'll see. Um, So, a couple of announcements. First, an invitation to uh, sign in, even if you're a guest with us. uh, We would love to get to know you more. Uh, You can sign in in two ways. Uh, If you're worshiping online, you can sign in online as well. So you can sign in a couple different ways. There are connect cards in the pews in front of you. You can sign in there and put those in the offering basket later. Or our Good Shepherd Connect mobile app, you can check in on the mobile app. Uh, That works just as well. It helps us to get to know one another. Uh, And as we get started with worship, we look ahead to um, Christmas Eve. As I said, this is the third Sunday of Advent, so we'll be lighting our Advent candles as a part of our worship this morning. And out in the narthex, you may have noticed there's a table with a couple of uh, pieces of word art that we're doing uh, that we're going to use on Christmas Eve, so you can check that out and write your thoughts and reflections on those words there. There's some instructions in the narthex. Um, Also, we want to lift up one of our new members, Brianna Den, is a playwright, and Brianna is writing a play just for Good Shepherd. Uh, And often when we do plays and things at church or in schools, kids get to be in plays. But when you get to be a grown-up, all of a sudden there's not many opportunities for you to be in plays anymore. So she is specifically writing a a play focused on our, our seniors, our chronologically gifted group, or any adults really. If you are interested in being in a fun play and just having a good time and getting to know some people, um, this is for you. And uh, she has more information in the worship announcement sheet out there, her email, you can let her know. It's something we're gonna do next spring and we're really excited about that. And then um, also as we look ahead to Christmas Eve next week, uh, next Sunday is the 24th. It is also the fourth Sunday of Advent because Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. So what that means is here at Good Shepherd, we are going to have a Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. that will be a regular Sunday Advent season four or week four service. And then in the afternoon evening will be our Christmas Eve services. We are going to have an outdoor nativity this year with animals from three to six out in the parking lot. And then our worship services will be 4 p.m. will be a more uh, contemporary service with our worship band leading that. And then seven and nine will be a more traditional worship service, but we'll have candlelights, uh, singing Silent Night at all of those services uh, so we hope you can join us for Christmas Eve and, uh, and bring a friend, bring a family member, somebody who maybe doesn't have a place to go 
on Christmas. Um, last but not least, I want to say thank you to Good Shepherd. Uh, our stewardship campaign happens every fall, and I want to share some uh, results with you all. I am so excited that we had 126 households uh, make a commitment to our ministry fund for 2024, uh, which is a 5% increase over how many households we had last year commit to that. So thank you. And the total dollars that are committed to our ministry next year so far are $665,000 to fund what God is doing here at Good Shepherd. So thank you for your commitment to that. If you uh, have not yet pledged uh, and made that commitment and you want to, you are certainly still welcome to do that. You can do it in the Good Shepherd Connect app under the give tile at any time, but we give thanks to God for uh, abundance in our lives and your generosity that enables us to do what God is calling us to do. With that, I invite you to uh, stand as you are comfortable and you can greet those around you, say good morning and welcome, and we'll begin with our worship. Be 
men. God is the ultimate peacemaker. And yet we know that our world, in our world, there is still brokenness. And so we still are souls to come before the God of peace with repentant hearts, confessing our sin and receiving God's forgiveness. Let us pray. Lord God, you love justice and you hate wrongdoing. Lord, we confess the fear, greed, and self-centeredness that cause harm in this world. We are complicit in systems that oppress or exploit others that work uh, against peace because it's easy to go along or to look away. We choose comfort over courage, and so, Lord, look upon us with your mercy. Turn our hearts back to you. Forgive us, renew us, heal our hearts and our world through Jesus, your beloved Son. Amen. Friends, hear these words of assurance. God clothes you in garments of salvation and and covers you with robes of righteousness. In the tender mercy of Jesus Christ, know that your sins are forgiven. God's love for you is forever, and God's blessing is upon us today. Amen. And now adults invite you to be seated, and our kids are going to come forward to share a song with us this morning.
time for our children's message. So kiddos, why don't you have a seat right here? And if there's any other kids here that want to come up for our children's message, you are welcome to come join us as well. All right, all right, come on down. You guys did a great job with that song. That was so beautiful. Thank you so much. What a blessing. So friends, today I brought a couple things from my house. We're going to be hearing um, a gospel read a magnifying glass, right? So now you all, at first I thought you were small kids, but then I looked through here and you are giants. So magnifying glass, right? How many of you enjoy playing with a magnifying glass? Anybody? Anybody else? Yeah? It's a lot of fun, right? It makes, what's it? Okay, one at a time, raise a hand maybe. What's a magnifying glass do? What's it do? What do you think? Yeah, it helps us look at tinier things. It makes things bigger. It magnifies them, right? So if you can't see something, if you're old like me and your eyes are not as good as they were, you can like look at your hand and go, oh, there's my thumb, right? So it helps you to see things. I also have this thing. Um, what's this? Shout out. Binoculars. Yeah, binoculars. Do they help make things bigger too? Let me see. Let me see. Oh my gosh, you guys are so tiny. You're super tiny right now. Like this? Oh, oh. Oh, there you are. Whew. Binoculars help things look bigger too, right? They make them big. They make it, they magnify it. Now, what about, um, have any of you ever looked in a telescope before? Yeah? What, what's something that people like to look at in telescopes? When, space. space, stars? Yeah. So I found, I went online and I found some pictures from something called the Hubble Telescope, which looks at, it's a huge, amazing thing up in space, and it looks at the stars and all the way out in space. So I want you to look at the screen. You can look in the back or the front. So here's something you could see. If you look up at the sky at night, you might see stars, right? You might see stars. But if you use a Hubble telescope, you might see something different. So let's go to the next picture. That is uh, a swirling supernova. Because I'm so smart with stars, I just knew that's what it was. Oh, because it says on the screen. You guys caught me. Yeah. So I can't see that if I look at the sky at night, right? Go magnifies it so you can see it. Let's look at the next one, see what else we find. So this one, I thought this was really cool. This is called the mice, and it's two galaxies that are colliding together. Isn't that crazy? Have you ever seen that when you look at the stars at night? I have not. I cannot see that. Only when it's magnified, right? Yeah, what do you think, Neela? You can also see constellations of stars, yeah. And then I'm going to show, I think I have one or two more. Oh, this one was really neat. Look at this one. This one is, I never saw this when I looked at the sky at night, but apparently through the telescope magnifying, there's this blazing starburst, it says. So these are stars being created, being formed. Isn't that amazing? You cannot see that without being magnified. So in our reading today, Mary, the mother of Jesus, says, my soul magnifies God. What does it mean to magnify God? What do you think? Eliana, what do you think? Helps us see God more closely. Yeah, Neela, what do you think? She took your answer? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But that's, that's exactly it, though. Like Mary says, my soul magnifies God. 
I think that what that means is that when we do certain things in our lives, we can help others to see God more clearly, just like these magnifying things, they help us see stars more clearly. So when we share love, when we share kindness, when we're forgiving, that magnifies God's character and helps others to see God's love through us, which is pretty cool. So with that, let us say a prayer, and then I'll have you head back to your seats with your families. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for all these wondrous things we get to see in creation through magnifying glasses or telescopes. Thank you for your gifts. Help us to magnify you in your love through our actions, through our faithfulness, so others can see your love in their lives as well. In Jesus' name, we give thanks and pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, friends. You can head back, find your families, have a seat, and we'll hear our Bible readings today. Before I start the reading, I want to thank Good Shepherd for putting a railing in here. It's so much nicer. Thank you all. (laughs) A reading from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the God has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, The Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. A reading from 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. 
I invite you to stand as you are able for our gospel reading this morning, which comes to us from Luke's gospel, the first chapter. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort and a word of hope, a word of challenge and a word of guidance for our lives. Make our hearts soft and plant your word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Have you ever looked at the life of someone out in the world who's famous and, and seems to have it all together and thought, oh, their life looks so easy. They just seem like they have it perfect. Anybody ever thought that before? Yeah, well, uh, me too. Me too. So today, we're going to talk about someone whose fame is beyond compare, a woman who is more famous than anyone, someone more famous than even Beyonce, someone more famous than Mother Teresa or Rosa Parks or even Oprah, if you can believe it. Yes, friends, today we are going to talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> Just kidding, but you all thought I was going there, right? Right? We'll debate which albums are the best, Midnight's clearly, but anyway, I digress. No, no, no. We're going to talk about someone, believe it or not, who I think is more famous even than Taylor Swift, Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. In our reading today, we hear, surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She may not have sold out stadium concerts. She may not be a movie star, but is there any woman throughout all of history, in every country and nation and place who is more well-known than Mary? I mean, think about it. There are statues of her all over the place. There are paintings and works of art created in her honor. There have been amazing musical compositions created to tell her story. She's one of the leading characters in the best-selling book of all time, the Bible, right? Mary, is certainly all generations have called her blessed. We can look at her and think, oh, she seems just perfect, but of course, her life didn't start out that way, did it? In fact, what makes her so famous and worthy of our attention is not her perfection, but maybe even the opposite, her lowliness. In verse 48, she says, For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. It's fascinating. Mary describes herself with this word, lowliness. And friends, this word holds a lot. It holds a lot. In the Greek, the word is tapenosis, and it often gets translated this way, lowliness or low estate, but it sometimes gets translated as 
like depression or a depressed state, sometimes even as disgraced. It can mean humble, but it can also mean even humiliation, which makes us wonder what was Mary's life like before God visited her, that she would describe herself in this way. You know, Luther, Martin Luther writes about this passage known as the Magnificat, and I like what he says here, so I'm going to share this on the screen this morning. We must believe that she came of a poor, despised, and lowly parents. Doubtless there were in Jerusalem daughters of the chief priests and, and the counselors who were rich, comely, youthful, cultured, and held in high renown by all the people. But even in her own hometown of Nazareth, she was not the daughter of one of the chief rulers, but, but a poor and plain citizen's daughter, who none looked up to or esteemed. And yet, God chooses her. Why? Why Mary? You see, by choosing someone like Mary, we get to more clearly see the true heart, the true character of God. We see that God is one who hears the cries of the poor and draws near. God is one who sees every tear of despair and leans in. God is the one who, who notices the lowly, those that the world often walks around or steps over. No, God notices them, sees them, and reaches down to lift them up. God is the one who fills the hungry with good things. You know, growing up, I still remember uh, religious education teachers or even family members giving me this idea that Mary was chosen by God because she was just perfect, because she was so good, she was so pure in heart, so worthy, that that is why God saw, uh, found favor upon her, because she had earned it. But Luther actually points out that Mary herself seems to say quite the opposite. Again, Luther writes, Mary also freely ascribes all to God's grace and not to her merit. How should anyone deserve to become the mother of God? And here's where I love Luther. He gets a little sassy. He says, though certain scribblers make much ado about her worthiness, the worthiness for such motherhood, I prefer to believe her rather than them. <laughs> she says that her low estate was regarded by God. In other words, she says that God has done these great things for me. Mary sings, my soul magnifies the Lord. Magnifies the Lord. Not her, not her worthiness nor her blessedness, but God, the one who has done these great things. Her soul doesn't magnify the things of this world, but the grace and the mercy of God. So what is your soul magnifying these days? What do you find yourself focusing on, longing for, yearning for? What is your soul magnifying? You know, if I'm being really honest with myself in this season of commercialism, I find my soul magnifying material things a lot. There's a lot of deals out there right now that look pretty enticing, right? You know, there, I, I love these year-end car commercial sales that make it seem like it's a good idea to buy your spouse a car for Christmas. <laughs> I, I turned to my wife, Gail, when we were watching one of these commercials this week, and I said, have you ever known anyone that actually did that, that went and bought their spouse a car for Christmas? And she said, no, who has money left over for that? And I can just imagine like, Merry Christmas, honey, our kid's college fund is gone, but you have a new car. It would not go well. 
but in all seriousness, what is your soul magnifying? Maybe we get caught up magnifying material things in this season. Or maybe your soul is magnifying success, accomplishments, achievements. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with hard work or success, not at all. But if our soul starts to look only to these, we start to miss something. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the good things that we've done or accomplished and our souls can focus on those in such a way that they become almost like an idol to us rather than our souls magnifying God who's done great things for us in the first place. Now, sometimes I think the opposite can be just as much of a problem. Sometimes I find my soul magnifying the, the struggles in my life. Maybe you've experienced this where you just, it seems like magnified and amplified are all the anxieties and the worries and the problems in front of you. And I find when that happens, I start to miss the blessings that God is pouring out around me. That's the amazing beauty of what Mary says here today. My soul magnifies the Lord. It's like turning that magnifying glass away from ourselves or the world or the problems and struggles and back toward God who is with us. God who fills us with good things. God who has done great things for us. Christmas is certainly a season where things get magnified, right? Some of the good things get magnified and some of the struggles. Christmas can be a time of incredible joy and beauty, and yet for some people, Christmas can be a season that's very hard. With so much emphasis on family around this time of year, maybe if you've never been married or never been able to have kids, this can be a difficult season. Or maybe if you have been married but experienced divorce recently, or if you've lost a loved one, Christmas can be a time that magnifies and feels lonely, right? It may feel even like God has forgotten you, but God has not forgotten you. In fact, what we see in Mary's story is that God draws especially close to those who are feeling lowly or despair. Because it's in our deepest despair that God has space to do the most incredible things in us. So the Christmas season, and I fear sometimes the church itself can feel like it's for perfect people or perfect families. But the more I read the Bible, the more I'm convinced of this truth. God doesn't seem all that interested in, in perfect people. God seems most interested in imperfect people through whom God can do amazing things. I mean, think about it. Is there any person in all of Scripture that accomplished anything of note without experiencing struggle, suffering, or despair? No, I mean, the pages of this book are filled with the stories of lowly people through whom God did amazing things. The pages of this book, the Bible, are soaked with the tears of those who were despised or lowly or brokenhearted or left out to whom God drew near and raised them up. Stories like, like Hannah in 1 Samuel who, who prayed and prayed and wanted to have children but couldn't and then finally after years of waiting, God provides a son who becomes the great prophet Samuel. Or the story of Hagar, the slave woman who was driven out into the wilderness with her, her only son and thought she would die until God heard her and saw her and took them in and cared for them. Or, or Elizabeth and Zechariah here in Luke's gospel. Or, or Mary and Joseph, the list goes on and on and on. And the truth of God's heart that's revealed through these stories is this. The deeper your despair, 
the nearer God draws to you. The deeper your lowliness, the more likely God is going to do amazing things in your life. See, God doesn't seem terribly interested in finding perfect people. God seems most interested in imperfect people through whom God can do amazing things. And I think that's why God comes to Mary. Of all people, someone who felt lowly and despised by the world. You know, it's amazing. God didn't choose to come and save us through the perfect person or the perfect family. God didn't show up to a couple who had already been married and had the perfect family with two and a half kids and the perfect house and the perfect job and the perfect donkey who had already shown their merits. No, God takes a risk and shows up to this young, unwed, and now pregnant girl from a poor family. God came to someone who was feeling alone and afraid. And make no mistake, Mary was afraid. Despite her faithful response to God, she was so afraid that, that, did you notice this? She ran away from home for a season. Verse 56 says this, And Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, for about three months before she returned to her home. You see, God comes to the least of us to show us the best of God. Despite Mary's struggle, somehow she was still obedient and faithful. Despite her fear and the tough road ahead and the tremendous gift slash burden placed on her, her quiet voice still found a way to praise God and say, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. May our souls, the souls of imperfect people, magnify the Lord trust and tell of the good things that God has done and will do in our lives. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for coming to us even in our imperfection, our faults and flaws. You choose to show up in unexpected places in unexpected ways. God, thank you for the faithfulness of Mary and the stories that we get to hear through your word that bring us hope and encouragement in our times when we are feeling low or alone or afraid. In this season of Christmas that we proclaim Emmanuel, Lord, let us feel that in our lives and in our hearts that you are truly with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.